On today's episode, why easy running is the secret sauce to performance. Welcome to the Run Smarter podcast, the podcast helping you overcome your current and future running injuries by educating and transforming you into a healthier, stronger, smarter runner. If you're like me, running is life, but more often than not, injuries disrupt this lifestyle. And once you are injured, you're looking for answers and met with bad advice and conflicting messages circulating the running community. The world shouldn't be like this. You deserve to run injury-free and have access to the right information. That's why I've made it my mission to bring clarity and control to every runner. My name is Brody Sharp. I am a physiotherapist, a former chronic injury sufferer, and your podcast host. I am excited that you have found this podcast and by default become the Run Smarter Scholar. So let's work together to overcome your injury, restore your confidence, and start spreading the right information back into your running community. So let's begin today's lesson. Once again, Run Smarter Scholars, today we have a, a nice episode. Before I get into it though, um, I need to bring something to your attention. I just found out a few days ago that one of my episodes has just been erased from my feed and I'm trying to get it back. Um, in the in today's culture, today's world with censoring and um, trying to not spread misconceptions or bring forth any widespread misconceptions um i it was brought to my attention how did i remember it i wanted to um direct a, a client to a particular episode and when i went through my feed to find it it wasn't there and went i'm like did i just forget to post it did i record this whole entire episode and then just forget to schedule it out and i went through my feed and found out that I did post it because I went to my scheduling software and saw it was there and it was scheduled to go out, um, you know, several weeks ago, but then just didn't exist anymore. Didn't exist on iTunes, didn't exist on Spotify. And I'm like, okay, what's the go here? (laughs) And when I looked at the title, the title was Brody's thoughts on widespread misconceptions. And I was doing an episode, maybe you listened to it. I don't know how long it was on the feed for before it got erased, but it was about why there's so many running misconceptions out there around should stretch, not stretch, what's worked for someone, what hasn't worked for someone, um, and why my thoughts on why that exists in the world and had so many talking points on it and so many ideas of why I think that exists. Um, as I was writing the book, it was a, a chapter in my book and I thought this would be really good to structure into a, a podcast episode. But now it's gone and I'm trying to like change the title of it because I think the Brody's thoughts on widespread misconceptions um, maybe has flagged something, maybe flagged some sort of algorithm that just says, nope, let's not spread this sort of content and um, just totally erased it. However, I'm trying my best to bring it back. Hopefully you've listened to it. It's a, it's a great episode and um, I'll let you know if it does come back on because I checked just before recording. It's still non-existent. Um, yeah, I'll keep you updated on that one. Today's episode, <laughs> uh, why easy running is the secret source to performance, comes off the back of a an, a research article, which 
I want to give a shout out to Luke Nelson, who was a guest a couple of weeks ago on the podcast. And he, his Instagram is fantastic. Um, let me give him a shout out with his Instagram handle so that you guys can check it out. Cause I know he's probably listening to this episode right now at sports Cairo Luke. Um, so you can search that and follow him because there's a lot of great information posting a lot of articles. So thanks Luke. Uh, the title of the article that he posted about was world-class long distance running performances are best predicted by volume of easy runs and deliberate practice of short interval and tempo runs. Very, very long title. Um, we'll break all that down in a second. It was released in 2019. I did a social media post on it. I did a um, email. Uh, I blasted out to the uh, my email list. And now I decide to do a podcast episode on it just to break it down just a little bit more about my ideas and things. And also one of the co-authors is Brian Henley, who we've had on the podcast before talking about um, his book and talking about marathon strategies and tactics, which I found really, really interesting. Um, so it's great to see uh, he get involved in some of these. Uh, it, was great. it was great like looking at all the authors and seeing his name in there. Okay, so when it comes to, let's start with the introduction of this article. Um, the introduction talks about the success in running events depends predominantly on physiological determinants such as, and they list a whole bunch of attributes, running attributes like maximal oxygen uptake or your VO2 max, your running speed at VO2 max, your running economy, your lactate threshold, as well as anaerobic capacity and sprinting ability. So all of these attributes would contribute to the success of your certain running event. They go on to say that high intensity training sessions that are intended to improve these determinants in long distance running include, and then they list a few um, running sessions, styles of sessions. So they said short intervals that range between 200 meters and 1000 meters at 95 to 100% of your heart rate max. So short intervals was the first one. The second one they listed was long intervals. So between one and two K at 92 to 95% of your heart rate max. They talk about tempo running. So between 45 to 70 minutes and at 82 to 92% of your heart rate max. And then official competitions, official races, events, and time trials at race pace. So all of these different high intensity sessions are designed to improve the qualities of the things that we mentioned just before, like VO2 max, running economy, etc. The intro continues. <laughs> because these modes of training are physically and mentally taxing, athletes usually supplement their training with easier running sessions. These easy sessions can be a function can function as base training during the early season, active recovery sessions between harder sort of training sessions or as a continuous stimulus for cardiovascular conditioning. So this listing some of the benefits of those, the easy running sessions and why they should. Just quickly chiming in here to let you scholars know, I have just updated my five day injury prevention challenge. This is one email per day for five days, learning new concepts and diving into the science on how you can reduce your risk of injury. The sign up link is in the show notes. So fill in your details and I'll be waiting for you in email number one, tomorrow to be implemented because of their less taxing nature 
Easy runs can be performed over long distances and are therefore important in accumulating greater overall running distances. For the strength and conditioning professionals, an understanding of how important these easy runs are relative to more race-specific training sessions will assist in developing programs to get the most out of the time spent training. So the aim of this particular study, the aim of this novel study was to analyze the effect of easy continuous runs completed by elite, standard and world-class long distance runners on competitive performances during the first seven years of their sports careers. So essentially looking at the quality of their training sessions, the types of their training sessions, their easy runs compared to non-easy runs and just seeing if there's much relevance, if it holds much weight. The participants that they included is quite impressive. They had 85 male elite and international standard long distance runners uh, that took part in the study. The age range was between 18 and 43 years old and all subjects were specialists in either the 5,000 meter, 10,000 meter half marathon or marathon events. The subjects performances, all their performances ranged from world-class to competitive national standards among the best athletes there were. And then they go and list a few achievements or um, I guess accolades. So medalists from the IAAF world cross country championships, the IAAF world championships for the marathon, the Olympic games, Commonwealth games and African championships, European cross country championships and European championships on the track. So very, very high class. These runners best ranged from a um, marathon distance of two hours, three minutes, 23 seconds to two hours, 36 minutes, 15 seconds for the marathon. And from the half marathon ranged from just under 59 minutes to just under an hour and nine minutes. The current world record holder for the 10K road race uh, was also included in this sample. So great that they could just find such elites to and get the data from their training. The procedure that they did once they had these athletes participate in the study, subjects were asked to report how much time they'd engaged in different training activities, so not running, and how much distance they had run in different running activities during a typical week of training 10 weeks before uh, the season, uh, 10 weeks before their seasonal goal race. So if they had an A race that they were training for, let's look at the 10 weeks lead up to that, in including like all, all running activities, all training sessions, all things, out, all activities outside of running or training outside of running. And they've got a whole list here of all the things that they included. So the relevant training activities included were cross training, flexibility training, weight training, work with a coach. So I guess a lot of those are considered as like not running. And then they had six uh, running quality sessions. So they had easy runs, they had tempo runs, long interval training, short interval training, competition and time trials. So just trying to gauge how much time they've spent doing all of these, how frequent they were 10 weeks before their goal race. For all the running components, so we're looking at those last six um, that I just mentioned. They were further instructed to account for the total weekly distance. And so we're just gathering further data about the running sessions. And the latter five sessions, 
which were all of them except for easy running, they were activities the subjects considered more important. And for this study, they labeled as deliberate practice. So those quality sessions were um, tempo runs, long interval training, short interval training, competition races, and time trials. So they would all be in the category of deliberate practice, whereas the easy runs were um, excluded from that category and like sort of treated separately. Subsequently, subjects were asked to report their best finishing times in competitions after one, three, five, and seven years of systematic training. So the results, what did this study find? So after accumulating all that data, following for such a long period of time, they found the total volume of training showed the strongest correlation with performance scores explaining up to 59% of the total variability between athletes. So the total running volume, their overall accumulation of mileage was the best indicator of performance. They said, and I've put this, I've highlighted it and put it in bold and said, easy runs were more correlated with performance scores than deliberate practice. So all of those um, sessions, uh, all of those Tempo runs, long interval training, short interval training, competition running, and time trials that were classed as deliberate practice, they were less correlated with performance than the easy running. Accumulated easy runs, tempo runs, and short interval training volumes had stronger relationships with the performance scores than long interval training. So the long interval training, if I scroll up, so long intervals were between a thousand meters and 2000 meters, um, and ranging from 92 to 95% of your heart rate max. So we're just looking at longer durations of, you know, less intense efforts than the, the short interval stuff, which was closer to 95% of your heart rate max. So that seemed to be less important. And while the easy running was the most correlated, the tempo runs and the short interval volumes did have a stronger relation to um, the performance scores than the longer interval training. Competitions and time trials were not significantly correlated with performance at any stage. So, good to know. Great conclusion there. Um, speaking of conclusion, let's follow up with more of this conclusion. Although deliberate practice activities, particularly tempo runs and short interval training, are important for improving performance, Runners and coaches should note that non-deliberate practice, i.e. easy running, is crucial for better performances partly because of its contribution to total distance run. So I have a few thoughts on this. Because the total distance, the total accumulation of your weekly mileage is highly correlated to performance, it's best that we improve that mileage and get that mileage um, as high as possible in the safest way possible. And we do that, we accumulate that mileage in the safest way possible by doing easy running. So that's sort of why my thoughts of why I think it is so effective and why you are seeing so much, um, why you're seeing the data sort of reflect that. But also it's the more easy running, the more easy running you do, it kind of just tends to push your intensity distribution to more of that 80-20, um, that fine 80-20 
intensity distribution rule that I've talked about so many times on this podcast. So if you've got an elite athlete that's or as doing the short intervals, the long intervals, the tempo running, time trial races, um, time trial sessions, I should say, like all of those sort of things, the more easy running you're doing, the more you're sort of getting closer to that 80% low intensity, 20% harder intensity. And I've talked about this on the podcast um, many times and had a couple of guests talk about it as well. You want to avoid this gray zone of intensity. I see this, like we're talking these participants are world-class athletes, but I do see this so often, even just with my recreational runners that I work with. It's, it's maybe boring for them or they just don't see the point of it, of doing really, really easy running. And it's not until I eventually convince them that they start seeing the results themselves, but the easy running allows your legs to feel a bit fresher and allows you to go harder for those more intense efforts. The balance of that 80-20% is really, really nice for you to start seeing the improvements at the top top tier of your performance because if you had scheduled a 10k really easy run and you decide to do it a little bit quicker than or a little bit more intense than what you had planned because you're feeling really good maybe it's like a um, a nice cool day the legs feel fresh you're like I feel great let me increase my pace a little bit and then at the end of the session you're like oh I probably went a bit harder than I had planned when it gets time for the harder sessions in the week where you should be doing, you know, close to your max efforts, you're unable to do that because the legs aren't fresh enough because you've gone too hard on those easy days. And so I see this with my clients all the time. Once they really start to recognize the importance of really easy running, they they start to see that their performance actually increases and their interval sessions start to increase and their racing performances start to increase. So it's really nice to have that ratio, which incorporating more and more easy runs tends to do that. And you're building up your mileage, your weekly mileage in the safest way possible. Because if you try to accumulate your mile, your mileage with harder efforts, you're just subjecting your body to harder intensities, more the, the increased likelihood of surpassing your adaptation zone into like that injury threshold you're ex- you're the increased risk of exceeding the capacities of your joints ligaments bones muscles very easy um, to implement and essential to keep in mind so also remember like your easy runs some people think that easy runs are like just going at a slow pace but recognize that your Low intensities, I I usually assign like the RPE to about three or four out of 10. So when I say a three and I do a a 10K run at a three intensity, I feel like when I finish that run, I feel like I could do it all over again. I feel like I can run for hours at that intensity. And that is irrelevant of speed. Sometimes it is six and a half minute Ks for me. Sometimes it's five and a half minutes for me on really good days sometimes it's five minute k's for me um just feeling like i could do that for hours it's not a pace it's a feeling because sometimes you might feel fresh sometimes it's warmer outside sometimes you've had less sleep and just those those slower paces feel a bit harder maybe they're pushing into a four or five intensity so that's when i really back off to a six and a half pace 
and get that intensity down to the three. Just keep that in mind. RPE is a feeling. It's not a pace because there's so many factors. I actually read that on a, um, a blog last week that RPE is a feeling, not a pace. And I'm going to use it from now on. <laughs> uh, so as we summarize today's episode, just highlight the fact that easy running has a purpose. It has not only, not only is it a deliberate practice or is it a skill to do that slow mileage, but also has tremendous benefits. We're seeing it at the top tier athletes that they're recognizing or looking at the data and seeing that these easy efforts come in such, um, such importance and contribute to overall importance, uh, overall performance. So bear that in mind. Hopefully you can implement or rejig, tweak your training programs a little bit. If you're preparing for a marathon or if you have some running goals set, just keep this in mind and start implementing a few of these easier mileages here and there. Maybe your intensity distribution's a little bit off and you can start tweaking towards that 80-20% rule and see the performances on that side of things. But also if you do have easy running dedicated sessions, make sure it really is easy because I see that mistake quite often. All right, hope you enjoyed today's episode. As I sign off, remember, every new insight brings you one step closer to your next running breakthrough. And that concludes another Run Smarter lesson. I hope you walk away from this episode feeling empowered and proud to be a Run Smarter scholar. Because when I think of runners like you who are listening, I think of runners who recognize the power of knowledge, who don't just learn, but implement these lessons who are done with repeating the same injury cycle over and over again, who want to take an educated, active role in their rehab, who are looking for evidence-based, long-term solutions and will not accept problematic quick fixes. And last but not least, who serve a cause bigger than themselves and pass on the right information to other runners who need it. I look forward to bringing you another episode and helping you on your Run Smarter path.